Hi everyone, welcome to Dan1132, our very first episode. My name's Jim Whitteving, and I'm happy to be here with you. And the first thing I want to do is talk about, well, why exactly I'm here. What's the point? Why have another show? Why have another podcast? We have a mountain of material available to us online. And we have so many things to choose from. And from a Christian perspective, we have sermons, we have sermon audio, we have uh, church websites, we have YouTube, we have all kinds of things. From a news and current events perspective, we, have, we, can, we can have access to pretty much everything from every point of view imaginable and even some points of view that we can't even imagine. And there's just this mountain of material. So when I thought about doing a podcast, doing a show, I thought, well, why would I want to add to this pile of material? It's just one more thing. What, what could I actually add to this and what could I actually provide? Well, first of all, I want to talk about what my point is in doing this. Why am I, why am I doing this? And, and really what I want to do is equip Christians to deal with the modern culture, to deal with our society. And I want to deal with questions of politics, of social issues, of worldview, things like that. I want, to, I want to deal with current events and how we as Christians can apply God's word and apply biblical principles to what's happening, to where we're living, to what life is like in the Western world, in my case, particularly Canada, but it could be the United States, it could be Australia, it could be any Western nation, any nation in Europe or anywhere in the world, really, where we see so many things happening, where we see so many changes in society, so many attacks on biblical faith, on the Christian faith, and so many challenges that Christians are facing in having to live in a world that in many ways is a world that's in turmoil. And we see this turmoil all around us. And, and I've seen... And I've come up with a list of, of topics, of possible topics. And I'm, you know, I'll just show you the list right here. And it's, it's, you know, I just came up with this list of 70 things that I could talk about uh, last night. So there's a number of issues that we can, we can talk about. And, but there's a specific way in which I would like to address these issues. And, and that has to do with the, the title of the show, which is Dan 11.32, which is obviously Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, I just have it here on my computer. Uh, it says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. So I want to explain this verse to start out, and I want to explain why I chose this verse and really, the, the last phrase of this verse as the theme of this show, stand firm and take action. Stand firm and take action. So what's this all about? Well, Daniel, you know the stories of Daniel. Daniel is one of the most 
well-known books in the Bible with the, the all the, the stories of Daniel and the lion's den and and the three young men in the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and, and Daniel's visions and all of these things. One of the main points in Daniel, and I think one of the themes in Daniel, is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, where Daniel describes the Lord as, as the God who's in control of history. He raises up kings and he brings down kings. Uh, he's the one who's in control. He's guiding all things. He's making everything happen. Everything is under his control. Nothing is outside of his authority. And that's one of the important messages of Daniel. And there's a theme that keeps on coming back, starting in Daniel chapter 2, with Nebuchadnezzar's dream of that great statue. And that dream of the great statue uh, speaks about the coming of four emperors, and four empires, really. Uh, the first is the Babylonian Empire. The second is the Medo-Persian Empire. The third is the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great. That empire is going to divi be divided into four, and then it, in turn, is going to be replaced by the Roman Empire. But in that, there is the fifth empire. The fifth empire in that vision uh, of that great statue. There's a stone. It's not cut out by human hands. Uh, it comes off the mountain. It rolls and it crushes that statue and it grows to fill the earth. And that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that Jesus Christ came to inaugurate during, in the midst of that fourth kingdom, the kingdom of Rome. And so what we see in Daniel is, in various ways, a repetition of this theme. And there's visions, and in the visions they go into more detail and more detail about what's going to happen. Uh, Daniel's writing as an encouragement, and God was revealing to him uh, all of these things as an encouragement for his contemporaries, for the people that would come, for, for God's covenant people at that time, and also for us. So he's talking about and having visions about things that are in the past for us, but that still has a very important message for us today. So here, for example, in Daniel chapter 11, we see a repetition of that theme. The four empires would come. The Babylonian, uh, the Medo-Persian, the, uh, the Greek empire, uh, the, and the Roman empire. And in that, we, we, in that vision, there is a narrowing of the focus onto the promised land, or this is called the glorious land. And so what would happen with the people of God? What would happen in Israel, in the land that God had given to them, where he had settled them, the land of the promise? And as the focus narrows on the promised land, it foretells the coming of a man called Antiochus Epiphanes. And Antiochus Epiphanes was a nasty fellow. And it's a contemptible, he's a contemptible person. We read in verse 21, in his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. And that's Antiochus Epiphanes. And we can read about Antiochus Epiphanes and what happened uh, in Judah at that time in the first book of Maccabees, one of the, the books that come between the Old and the New Testament. And in the first book of Maccabees, we read about the, the, the disaster that befell 
God's people during that time uh, before the coming of Christ and what happened. And uh, this contemptible person, uh, he doesn't have royal majesty. He obtains the kingdom by flatteries. Uh, He comes into the richest parts of the provinces. He scatters, plunders, spoil, and goods, devises plans against strongholds, stirs up his power against the king from the south, and then all of these things happen. He returns to the land, uh, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant. So then he returns again, and it's it's a very involved story. I won't get into all the details. There's no need for that right now. But... Verse 31 of Daniel 11 says, Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and the fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering. And they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. And so Antiochus Epiphanes set up uh, abominations in the temple. He, He desecrated God's temple and he sacrificed pigs, unclean animals on the altar. Uh, He did all of these things as this despicable man described here. And what happens? Well, he shall seduce, verse 32, this is, this is the, the point here, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. So there's going to be two groups of people. There's going to be those who are seduced, seduced with flattery, those who are, are taken over to the Hellenistic, the Greek side of things, those who are going to abandon their faith and those who are going to abandon the truth. But then there are also going to be those who stand firm and take action. And those are the ones who know their God. And so we know from history what happened. A lot of the Jewish people at that time were seduced. They were seduced by the Greek culture. They were seduced by this high culture uh, with all of its impressive uh, aspects to it. They were seduced by the lie. And they were, they were led in that direction for various reasons. You could be uh, seduced because you want the blessings that can come or the supposed blessings that can come from embracing the lie. Uh, you could be a naive person who doesn't understand the nature of the threat. Or you could be someone who really is looking out for number one. I'm just looking after myself. I want what's best for me. So I'm not going to fight against Antiochus. I'm not going to fight against this uh, wretched man, uh, this despicable man, as the the vision says, as Daniel says. And I'm just going to join forces with him because it's easier. So there's various ways of responding and various ways that the people of God, the people of the covenant, had to respond to Antiochus and the challenge that they faced. And that challenge was strong, and many people were seduced. Uh, And then verse 33, it says, The wise among the people shall make many understand. So there's going to be people teaching. The wise are going to be teaching, leading people back to the truth. Though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. So it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to stand against the predominant culture. It's not going to be easy to stand against Antiochus Epiphanes and everything that he stands for. All of the, the, the ungodliness that he stands for, as attractive as it was, uh, there would be persecution for those who stood against it. And then verse 34 says, When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, 
and many shall join themselves to them with flattery, and some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time, the fulfillment of this prophecy, this vision. And so there would be this process. Antiochus Epiphanes would would set up this abomination that makes desolate. He would seduce many of God's people to abandon the faith, to abandon their position. Uh, and he would do that by flattery, by, by, by attractive means. And then people would raise themselves against this uh, desecration of the temple and desecration of the covenant and all of these things. Then they would actually fight against their own uh, members of their own people as well who had abandoned the truth. And then would come the persecution, then would come the difficulty. Uh, but then others would lead others to the truth. And we see in all of this a process, a process that God is in control of. He's the one who's raising up kings. He's the one who's bringing down kings. And God's in control. Uh, and he is in the process of refining and purifying and making white. So he's He's working on his people. He's working on making them, making them clean, making them strong, uh, disciplining his people, strengthening them. And so in this, God is with his people. But that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a struggle, that there isn't going to be difficulties, that there aren't going to be difficulties. So all of this to say that we find ourselves as Christians in very similar positions today. And we have a culture, we have a dominant worldview, we have a controlling narrative, which is against everything that the Christian faith stands for, which attacks truth, which seeks to suppress truth, uh, which in so many different ways impacts our culture. And we live within this culture we work within this culture. We raise our families within this culture. We go to church within our culture. And we are we're like fish in water. And, and so the culture is all around us and we're, we're swimming in the water of our culture. And we need, what we need to do is kind of take a step back and we need to look at our culture and examine it and see what's happening and see the various ways in which pressures are being put on us as Christians. And we need to do that so that we recognize the battle. We recognize who the enemy is. We recognize where the struggle is. We recognize where are the temptations for us? Where are the challenges? Where are the seductions? Like in the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. And how can we stand firm against those things? And so when I think about what I want to do with uh, Dan 1132, with this show, with this podcast, is I want to engage in a process of, of cultural literacy and, and do what I can to help God's people to, to understand the world, to see the world through a biblical lens, and to, to apply God's word to what we're experiencing so that we can stand firm and take action. When I talk about cultural literacy, it makes me think of, of the, the, what the Reformers did during the time of the Reformation in the 16th century. We live in a world which is almost 100% literate. And despite the fact that I'm sure uh, the dominant worldview would not 
really care to admit this. It's because of the church, it's because of the Protestant Reformation that we live in this literate world. Because the Reformers emphasized literacy very much. And they said all of everybody needs to be literate. Everybody needs to be able to read. Everybody needs to be able to understand what they're reading. Why? So that they can read God's word for themselves. So that they can study for themselves. So that they can understand. So that they can grow. So that they're not relying on other people. And I think the same way about this cultural literacy, which I emphasize, that we need to be literate culturally. We need to know what's going on out there. We need to understand the, the, the movements. We need to understand the, the agendas. We need to understand the forces that are, that are moving and recognize them. And it's important for all of us, not just teachers, not just preachers, not just people in, in positions of authority, but every one of us to understand these things because understanding is the first key to dealing with them. And so I came up with a list of topics and I've been working on this list of topics and thinking about what kind of things can we talk about? Well, there's a lot of things we can talk about and a lot of things that we need to understand and a lot of things that, that we need strengthening on. Uh, there are topics like critical theory, gender, uh, transgenderism, eugenics, transhumanism, technocracy, scientism, uh, propaganda, the social justice movement, cancel culture, totalitarianism, cultural Marxism, deconstruction, progressive Christianity. There's issues like assisted suicide and, and euthanasia and abortion and eugenics and how all of this fits in. There are... Uh, religious movements or pseudo-religious movements like paganism and Gnosticism that are having an impact around the world. There's issues like youth and old age. There are political issues like the relationship in the, in, between the two parties in the, in the two-party system and where, how we as Christians fit into that. Uh, there's the, the place of philanthropic organizations in the world. There's the current situation uh, with COVID-19 and how that's being dealt with. There's a relationship between church and state and how we need to view things like that issue and how we should be living and how we should be relating with the government. So there's all of these issues and there's a lot of questions. Now I do a fair bit of reading and I have contact with other people who do a fair bit of reading and a lot of studying on these kinds of issues. So I hope and I pray that I'll be able to add something to this discussion, that I'll be able to add some thoughts and that I'll be able to perhaps uh, recommend some books, recommend reading, recommend resources, uh, and also strengthen thinking, the use of logic, clear thinking and, and direct thinking on these issues so that we can stand firm and take action. Now, what does that mean? Well, stand firm, first of all, to stand firm obviously means that there's pressure coming. And in order for us to face that pressure, we need to stand firm. And the first key to that is understanding the truth and, and recognizing it. And that's, that's really a large part of what I want to do here, my goal. And, uh, and take action. Well, what does that mean? I'll take action. And I often get this question, well, what can we do? And, and we'll get into that in, in future episodes, I'm sure, if the Lord wills. 
So, so the kinds of actions that we can take, well, that's going to differ for each one of us depending on our situation. We're not all called to do the same things. We're not all, all called to, 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 to operate in lockstep with one another. Uh, each of us has our own gifts. Each of us has our own sphere of influence. And each of us has uh, our own, uh, really our own context in which God has put us. So within our context and within our areas of influence, we can each do different things. But the fact is, we need to do something. We need to take action. Having, uh, or, or in the process of standing firm, we need to take action. And that's, that's not, a, that's not a, an option for God's people. That's something that's absolutely necessary. And so that's what, uh, that's what I'm here for. In brief, that's what, uh, by God's grace, I, I would like to contribute my own small part uh, to helping uh, you as God's people to stand firm and take action in front or in the face of the pressures that, that exist. And the pressures which I think are, in, in our current situation, only getting stronger and, and coming at us from many different directions. And so... Uh, I invite you to to join me for future episodes of Dan 1132 as we encourage God's people to stand firm and take action.